Minds and Minds Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. There's a guy named Hal and there's Daniel and this guy Mike Eagle is there as well. Tights and Minds Podcast. Tights and Every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. And welcome to Tights and Fights, <laughs> no, you the can't. show that discusses what? the latest headlines <laughs> and the greatest memories of professional wrestling. That's right. I'm here. I'm Hal Loveland. As always, I am joined by my fellow leaders of the nation of conversation, the woman who's a better hugger than Bailey, Danielle Radford. <laughs> And the man who gravity remembered, open mic. Wait a minute, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> it means you fall a lot, man. Oh. I think it means you, but yeah, you bust your face on stuff. But y'all just, y'all said y'all weren't going to tell people about that. And here well, you guys are telling everybody. That was kayfabe, and now we're shooting. I see. Okay, well, prepare to have all your dirty laundry aired. <laughs> <sighs> well, guy, well, it's fine. We have a lot of stuff to talk about this week, though. We've got We've crowned a new champion of the universe. We have a final farewell to a WWE Hall of Famer and a lot more. But first, Danielle, Mike, we had a normal wrestling week. We finally did it. That sign that the trailer park that says how many days since a tornado is back to one. How are you feeling after the nonsensical amount of wrestling that we had last week? Was there any like PTSD about it? A little bit. A <laughs> little bit. <laughs> Uh, I was definitely still a little bit tie tie. I got through it because I'm a champion. Um, but it was definitely a little like, oh, right. But then, of course, uh, the best thing in the world happened and I was fine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because yeah, it does feel like I'm in the middle of a 79 hour raw. <laughs> and yeah, but it helps that something really cool happens uh, that I can watch over and over again and somehow add to the amount of time I've had to watch wrestling this week. Yeah, yeah, and, just, I, and I happily agree. watch it. Just happily watch it over and over. Over and again. over. Oh, single oh. tears. Yeah. Single so tears. Good. So good. <laughs> the whole thing felt like, is that all? That I mean, like, in terms of the amount of time watching. But then, of course, uh, you're referring to the news that has everybody talking this week, which is Kevin Owens himself being crowned the new Universal Champion. So the prize fighter now has the ultimate prize on Raw after Triple H made his return to take out both Reigns and Rollins in a, in a surprise turn swerve. I don't know what we're going to call that, but let's hear a little bit of that triumphant moment where Triple H turned on Rollins. That's what we just witnessed, Michael. We did. Yeah, the best we thing really ever. <laughs> now, you you two both know, I mean, everybody knows who's been listening for the past couple of weeks, that I have a habit of having our own show's Twitter account spoil Raw for me, <laughs> or SummerSlam, or whatever. Tights, uh, it's at Tights Fights, if you're not already following. And I made it, I watched Raw live, I muted our account, so it wouldn't spoil <laughs> it for me. And then I needed to finish it in the morning. So I log on to my computer to watch it there, 
and I realize I don't have the the at mentions for our account muted. So oh, it got spoiled no. for me. The main event did, oh. and I that was the only part I hadn't seen. Oh. But I was still really excited. Did you guys? You both got to watch it actually happen. Yeah, did no, you, you mark know, out? I I had um something told me just just don't open the Twitter box. Just don't mm. open it because I knew like, and I didn't know that something exciting as what actually happened was going to happen, but I knew something was going to go down. Um, and I didn't want to spoil, so I didn't I actually got to see it live. And the funny thing is this. Uh, I don't know what happened right before that match, but I think maybe that was like Titus and Darren Young and, and Backlund again. Yeah, who cares? I fell mm-hmm. all the way asleep. <laughs> like, like, no joke. Like, I looked up like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> and I had to restart, I had to restart the match when they did the, uh, the entrances for the main event, and, and I was good to go, man. Great. <laughs> what, what about you, Danielle? <laughs> oh, I didn't sleep through Darren Young. I did. Um, I, I here is part of the PTSD that I've been having with watching wrestling is because we do this show. I have felt like I have to watch everything, so I can't watch it the way that normally I have been. And so this week I was back, uh, back fast forwarding through stuff I do not care about, and so I fast forward through uh n- not all of raw but they were definitely but this a three-hour show i fast forwarded through quite a bit <laughs> um, so it was not as bad but yeah it was definitely like you know you see trips come out and you know it's going to be a big moment oh that's one of those goodness. things it's like when when sash um rest in peace sasha we miss oh, you we miss, oh wow we, we miss you and your back so much oh, uh <laughs> So it's um, it was one of those things where it's like when when Sash did the thing where she got Dana Brooke out, it was like, oh, this could be a big moment. When you see trips come out, you know it's about to be a big moment. And so I was so happy. I, I, I have been saying forever that it's Kevin Owens' turn. No one is as good on that microphone in to quote CM Punk who about to get his ass beat in a couple weeks. Oh, he's going to get so beat up. Oh, it's going to be ugly. Um, but <laughs> he's no in one yeah, <laughs> it's bad. But yeah, you know, no one no one is as good like in the ring on the microphone. Kevin Owens has it. That thing that makes people stars, he has it and so I'm glad um, that was recognized, and I'm very excited to see where they wind up taking Kevin next. It's going to be dope. Did anybody have anything nitpicky about the match? Um, I thought, look, it's not a perfect match. I think mm. there were some parts where it was maybe a little sloppy. I'm looking at you, Big Cass, but <laughs> also when it's your first, like, that's not to say you did poorly. Like, nobody did poorly. It was a really good match. I would have bought that as a main event of a pay-per-view as well. Like, they delivered, I think, a pay-per-view quality match. I think they had a good finish. I, even though I knew who won, I didn't know how they won. So that part was exciting, and, and I'm, I, I'm in a weird position now because I'm almost more interested to see what's going to happen with Triple H, Reigns, and Rollins right. than I am with right. what's happening yep. with KO. But fair. do you guys think, in terms of booking, let's, let's ignore that, those three guys and just focus on the champ. How do you book him? How is he now the face of the Raw brand? Where, where would you take him? Well, see, that's my one, my one nitpicky thing about the match is that as happy as I am that he, he has that title and, how, and with how many times I have watched it over and over again and almost, almost shed a tear. So close. I did it. So close. I did it. No shame. Um, <laughs> but um, if he had somehow, uh, if he had won it in the kind of way where it looked like he just won it because he won it, mm. then... I'd be more confident about his position on the card and how they're going to book him since he won it in the fashion 
where Triple H helped him get the win. It puts it like it's a it's a cool position for a heel champion to be in because he's authority and all that. It's just that I would have preferred for him to have been just a tad more dominant at at, at the finish, so that we know that they were going to book him stronger going forward. Yeah, I'm hella over the authority. I don't need <laughs> I don't need anyone coming in and making things happen. Like I think that these guys can make stuff happen. Okay, so now we've got Stephanie as the part owner. Mm-hmm. We've got. Uh, Santa Foley as the GM and <laughs> now we've got Trips as the authority why we got 80 people at a certain point there's not going to be any wrestlers left it's just going to be a <laughs> bunch of people who own the company fighting other people who own the company Shane and Brock well yeah <laughs> you guys don't know this but um, Kane's still moonlighting as the director of operations of Raw <laughs> <laughs> he's just on an extended vacation just a lot of people with 401ks and I'm not here for it I think not only is the problem the amount of people involved, there's this huge thing where, like, the face-heel alignment is all crazy. So, like, Stephanie's mostly a heel and Mick is mostly a face and then Triple H turned heel on Roman but turned face on Stephanie in the match and put over the heel, but everybody was cheering. Like, so, as, as exciting as it all was, I have this, this feeling, and it's something that I've been noticing is happening more and more lately, that I just don't know how to feel about things. I just don't know how I'm supposed to feel about things, to say a little mm. bit more accurately. Mm. Well, they, they've they been in such a tough position with all their injuries that they've had to rebook, rebook, rebook. So I think we'll see that that shake out over time. We, that, that we still need to give everything a little time to see how all those dynamics sort of play out. But let's move on for a second from very good news no, to some very sadness. Let's, let's never no, move on. Let's we just, have to. Damn. Let's live in this you know moment. what? Death okay. is a part of life. Right. And WWE Hall of Famer Harry Fujiwara, better known as Mr. Fuji, died last week. He was 82 years old. Um, he was a multiple-time tag team champion for, for fans of the WWF and the WWF in the 70s. But he's probably most famous for being the heel manager of WWF champion Yokozuna and Demolition and throwing salt in the faces of his enemies and, let's face it, being a borderline really offensive stereotype. We could probably remove the borderline. (laughs) (laughs) Here at Tights and Fights, we love to celebrate wrestling more than anything. So do you guys have any major memories of Mr. Fuji that stand out to you? Because for me personally, I just remember... How much he dressed like Odd Job? Like I know he made a switch from the from the bowler and tuxedo to to like a kimono, kimono. when he was managing Yokozuna. Uh, Yokozuna, yeah. But for me, he's just I, I just remember I remember the demolition Mr. Fuji and the Don Morocco Mr. Fuji, where he dressed to the nines yeah. and sometimes had face paint. What about what about the two of you? Um, you know, uh, first of all, I want to say eighty two is like. That's that's real good in wrestler years. That's like a yeah. hundred and fifty, two hundred <laughs> wrestler years. So it's it's sad, but well done, Mr. Fuji. That's what happens when you're a manager for half of your stuff. Um, so I like things that are stupid. I think we all know that I like things that are really stupid and dumb and bad. So I'm gonna go ahead and say Fuji Vice is <laughs> Oh yes. Ooh, boy. Oh, it was it yeah. was bad and real terrible and real ugh. Um but yeah, I think that that's I it, like they played the the ten minute version. <laughs> I don't 
know if you guys have ever seen the 10 minute version of Fuji Vice because they brought in real actors of course they did. who could act. And then all this, oh man, <laughs> it's so, um, if you got a spare 10, it is a well a worth your time. It's porno level acting for sure. Yo, boy. <laughs> that had to be the same year they paid to, they paid Slick to eat chicken on camera. I think it, it is. I same. think it's the same year that they played <laughs> Slick. Oh. The same budget, <sighs> you know. If none of you know what I'm referencing, I'm sure one day when we when we really talk about racism in WWE, I will get into it. But uh, <laughs> go ahead and send me that at. I will send you the clip, uh, and we can talk about how real racist it was. <laughs> But yeah, I just remember a bunch of uh, mostly just a lot of salt throwing. I remember lots of lots of throwing of of table salt into people's eyes. Um, yeah, and and the costume change. It's funny. I didn't remember all of the different iterations. I mean, they've been showing these video packages, and I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, uh, tuxedo, and then eye makeup and tuxedo, and then eye makeup and kimono. Um, yeah, Mr. Fuji has has been through it all. We salute. Salute, salute, salute yeah. his Hawaiian ass. Is he Hawaiian? Yeah, yeah he's from Hawaii. Jesus Christ. Everything is... Most <laughs> most Japanese do. Like, back in the day, not now, but back in the day, if you were from Japan, you're probably from Oahu. Wow, oh, man. <laughs> More than likely. Did you... He's from Did Maui. you ever for... Did you even for a second think that Yokozuna was Japanese at any point during his <laughs> run? I absolutely did. Yeah. I used to believe you everything did? they told me I when was I was a young person. Yes. Absolutely. I wa- that was during the part oh. of it I watched when I was really young before I took that break before the Attitude Era. Of course I did, because they told me. The yeah. man on the TV said he was. And I'm not going to argue with that you big old would, man. You wouldn't lie about being Japanese. Who does that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Piper really is retiring after WrestleMania 3. Yeah. Um, Mr. Fuji's uh, Japanese-American. He, was just he is Japanese-American. Yeah, he Julian, is Japanese-American. He was out. <laughs> but he was born in Hawaii. He was not. They build him from being from Japan, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm sure he he's been d- there. I'm sure he's visited. His folks are yeah, from there. He, he was doing that Mr. Miyagi thing where it's like a guy who probably has zero accent putting on the worst version of, of an accent representative of his lineage. Make that money. Catch some checks. Yeah. He, so he made his money in his day. Uh, but now let's move on from sadness to news of the bizarre. Maybe not. You might not believe this. But here's what's in the news. WWE's Bo Dallas was arrested for public intoxication at Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. And a lot of fans have a soft spot for Dallas after the work he put in at NXT. But is this the last straw for him? Which brings up to the, the question for me, what was the first straw? Yeah. <laughs> what did he do that was so bad outside of, like, I thought when he first came up to the main roster, because I wasn't familiar with his NXT work, that I was like, oh, this is a really fun character. He's 100% invested in it, and they're putting him on a winning streak. I want to see how far they'll go with this. And then all of a sudden, they have, like, Ryback beat him out of nowhere and for almost no reason. Or, may, or maybe it was one of the other big guys. Whoever it was, it just didn't – it came out of nowhere and didn't serve any any storyline purpose. Yeah, I think um, it's probably one of those situations where uh, Kevin Dunn thought he was too fat or something. I and like then, his little tummy. And, you know, and I bet – I am on Team Little Tummy, <laughs> I, and I will go on yeah. record. I, I, am, I am a member of Team Little Tummy. <laughs> I, I understand completely. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a there's a, there's a an established history of, of Kevin – you know, guys know Kevin Dunn is. He's like the yeah. TV producer. He's, yeah. he's the – the main guy, and apparently he's 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 got that same body fetish that Vince has. And if a guy looks right. a little a little chubby, he's I mean, so reportedly he's one of the reasons that uh, Kevin Owens was held back a little bit after mm. he 
uh, made his main roster debut was because he didn't have that look that they want. Is that what's happened with Baron too and his little tummy? Oh, it better be because his tummy's <laughs> weird. I don't like his tummy <laughs> at all. It's he has a tummy his, his, his little tummy winks at That's me. That's nasty, man. <laughs> oh, a little weird smile on his belly and he's mean in the real face? That doesn't even add up. <laughs> No, thank you. I have way more of a just go ahead and be bald problem with yeah, Baron Corbin too. than that I do too. his little winky tummy. And he wears combat yoga pants. That's a problem. <laughs> Those are also Because he can strange. fix that. Yeah. That is fixable. I don't know. I'm, I have a lot of problems with Mr. Corbin. I have a <laughs> lot of what? issues. I think I figured out the problem. <laughs> That this is a story about Bo Dallas and we're talking more about Baron Corbin <laughs> than we are Bo Dallas. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> that's the problem. I wa- so someone said it when he was singing show tunes. I want to know what he was singing. He was singing something oh. to his daughter or something, right? Like something to one of his kids. I or thought something? it was like Lion yeah. King or something. Lion King, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was yeah, singing okay. Circle of Life. Yeah. Which, I mean, well, come drunk. on. If you don't turn that into an <laughs> angle where he just wanders down drunkenly during people's matches singing songs from The Lion King. I mean, what are we even doing here? I mean, but imagine you're in his position where Heath Slater was the absolute last pick in the draft and they've made an entire angle and star out of him. Mm. And you were like two or three positions before that and you can't get on television at all. Right. They just, uh, and they, they, he and, oh my God, I'm blanking on who the other, oh, Axel. Jeez, these are talented guys. But I can't remember any of that. Like, this is... This is WWE sort of reaping what they've sown, and, and they're not investing anything in those characters. I think, yeah, I think that it's that grab the brass ring BS. I think that out of respect for Bo's dad and his brother, this will be like the, okay, you can't do nothing else. Um, but, you know, he's still going to get that house show work. Pro- <laughs> is he on house shows? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Probably. Uh, still going to be on Superstars every six months? I just imagine Help. he's very frustrated <laughs> And very frustrated people drink and cause scenes. So, you know. It'll be really sad uh, next chapter in his career when he's the guy who puts over Braun Strowman next week. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Yeah. All right, we have late-breaking news, everybody. Someone else is done with WWE, unlike Bo Dallas, where we don't know what his fate is, and that's Alberto Del Rio. He is done. He's decided to take an early release from his contract and is now a free agent. He's a multiple-time world and WWE champion, and this last run fell super flat. I, I was actually there at Hell in a Cell where he was when he was the surprise challenger for the U.S. title, and the place went crazy, which uh, makes sense. That's sort of like a hometown crowd for him. Um, where do you guys hope he's headed next? Because I hope Japan. That's my. I'm pulling um, for Japan. I'm ready for, for El Patron to come back to Lucha Underground and be like, "I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't mean it." I'm sorry I left you for the girl with the big titties, but now I'm back. <laughs> uh, your titties are just fine, baby. The call of the titties is real. <laughs> the call of the money titties. So that's what I'm, I'm hoping that he go. I would love to see him go back to, to Lucha Underground. Um, and as far as him leaving WWE, it's like, you know, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah it was time. It I'm, was time. I'm sad, man, because I don't really watch nothing else because there's 50,000 hours of WWE <laughs> television a week now. So I don't know. I, there's nowhere else to really he could pop up in my life, you know? Oh, I'm going to try. <laughs> One of these days, I, I would kidnap y'all and get y'all on that Lucha train. 
Yeah, I don't. You know, I told. I'm down with Lucha until they beat up the ladies, and then I can't. You know, I have. I have. I have a problem. You have the problem with the lady beating upping. Yeah, they get beat up so bad. Mm-hmm, yeah, but sometimes they do the beating upping. More often, when I've seen it, they've been on the receiving end of the beat ups. Sometimes they do the beating upping, and it's pretty dope. Okay, well, yeah. all right. <laughs> it's pretty great. Point me at one of them. <laughs> yeah, I'll try it too. If, if Mike guys. tries it, I'll try it. I mean, I tried it already. I've watched quite a few. I've watched I quite a bit again. of it. I, oh, well, no. I mean, again. I mean, again. I'm not good at trying things, so agains almost never happen. Watch Apparently, it's an, it's an acquired taste, which means you try something you don't like until you just surrender and, <laughs> and undergo Stockholm Syndrome. It's fine. <laughs> it's so dope. This is our final piece of news. Last week, we brought up The Miz's great promo when Daniel Bryan called him a coward on Talking Smack. This week at the beginning of SmackDown Live, they had The Miz come out, start to cut another promo, get interrupted by Ziggler, who challenged The Miz for the IC title. The Miz, when finally presented the chance to prove he was not a coward, turned tail and fled, had the crowd coming unglued with hate for him. Did the WWE properly capitalize on The Miz's promo from last week? Um, I don't think so. I think... Uh, no? No. No. Because... That promo, and you know, and they showed it again right before they did that segment. And that promo was so strong. And that promo looks like the kind of promo where a guy turns a corner as a character, like Stone Cold Steve Austin in the Austin 316, like where somebody is so angry that it puts them into a different gear and establishes them as a bigger character. And this, it's like, you know, when he came out talking, Okay, I'm like, all right, all right, he's getting that heat, he's getting that heat. And to me, like, the way that you perpetuate that heat is when a guy comes up to challenge him, he goes into a rage and beats the man like a maniac and have to have people drag him away. And mm-hmm. and then, then suddenly you have a big heel threat that you can put against your big babyface champion later and, and you got something going. But now it's like, okay, so if he really is a coward, then I don't really know where they go with that. Or I don't know how they elevate or or evolve his character any. Yeah, how, first of all, how you going to show me all that hot fire and then give me Ziggler? Yeah, yeah. Right. Ziggler is cold baloney on a plate. Oh. You're cold baloney, champion of the world. <laughs> Ziggler is like when your mom made nachos and used Doritos. Oh. Like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm Nick, I'm sure you're a very funny guy, but like... Nick's character also doesn't have anything going on. So don't show me someone who just now found something to latch on to that's working and then just give me um, Texas toast. Like, I don't need it. Like, it, you know, especially since what? The last time we saw them fighting, it was over chicken. Like, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I didn't even make but they that brought that up. They brought up the chicken. He mentioned... The Miz mentioned dressing as a giant chicken yeah. in his in his promo on SmackDown. I I disagree with you guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna break from the pack for How a moment. How dare you? I'm doing it. <laughs> well, I'm safely in Atlanta recording this, so I can <laughs> disagree all I want this week in Hotlanta underneath the towel. I want to keep it real with all of our listeners, but I, I think the difference between the Miz's turn and what happened with Stone Cold and and a lot of other guys who, who sort of turned that corner is they were wrestling as heels using those cowardly heel tactics, but nobody ever called them cowardly wrestlers who wrestled safe. And that's the that's the knock on, on Miz. So the longer he can delay being in a match and just come out and talk and then prove that he's a coward through his actions but have a lot of fire and, and truth in his words, I'm interested. Now, once he wrestles a match, 
I expect him to cheat and then beat the hell out of whoever he's facing once the match is over. Like, to be, like, the ultimate vulture. That, to me, is what I'm looking for out of this character to to continue to keep the fire that he has. I, I'm, I'm in for, for at least another few weeks to see where it goes. Oh, you're going to get a few weeks? All right. And my, my, uh, and, and my only issue with that is that it is too close to what they're doing with Eva Marie, and I would want him to mm. go the other way with it and become um, more violent. I would actually I think his ring style should probably change a little bit, even if he doesn't, you know, I mean, I don't think it has to become Daniel Bryan level, but I mean, some, some of his moves, they don't look like much. Or at least like start beating dudes with a chair, like do something. Something. Right. Right. More people, violence. People call you a coward, you know, do something. Well, Biz, we're laying down the gauntlet as well. Toughen up, bro. That about does it for the news. If we missed anything, join our Facebook group and make the post yourself to start the conversation. The link's at MaximumFun.org. When we come back, we're going to take a look at how SmackDown and Raw have evolved now that we're a month out from the brand split. You're listening to Tights and Fights. Hello, and welcome to Podphone. What type of podcast are you looking for? You have chosen funny podcasts about bad movies. Rated R. May we recommend... The Flophouse. Three friends talk about bad movies and make each other and you laugh. Rated R. The Flophouse is playing at your ears. If you download it right now or whenever. Rated R. To purchase tickets to The Flophouse, you don't need to do that. Just download it. The Flophouse. Rated R. For nudity, I guess. Tyson Fights Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and with me in the booth to talk about all things wrestling are Danielle Radford. And, and I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> Michael. Eagle. How? What? I was, I was excited huh? to say my own name huh? for one. Okay, I'm, I'm excited that you said it too. I'll it's never, fine. I'll never say it like that again. I promise. No, do it all the time. Don't let me hold you back. Okay, I do need much more encouragement, thank you. though. So thank you. Every week, we like to take a deep dive into one area of wrestling that deserves extra attention. This is our main event, and this week. We're a bit more than a month into the brand split with Raw and SmackDown both having separate rosters. So let's take a look at how both shows are doing and the direction they seem to be going. It's a progress report of sorts. Mike, first question to you. You said you've enjoyed how SmackDown's been running the show, right? Is that is that still the case? Yeah, except for this week. I didn't like SmackDown really at all. And, um, and Raw had that wonderful ending that made me forget about the hour to two that I didn't like on that show. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's funny. When it first started, Raw, I thought, came out the gate with a spectacular show that first one after the brand split. Uh, and SmackDown, I didn't like so much. And then in the... Following weeks, I thought that SmackDown was doing really great. Um, and I'm, not, you know, I can't say I wholly disliked uh, the show this week, but this was the first SmackDown where I was, when I turned to it with my remote, I was like, oh, that's right. They're not going to talk about what happened on Raw this time. It's going to be completely different stuff. You know, <laughs> and I was, I was excited to live in that moment of Kevin Owens 
uh, winning that title more, and I'm really interested to see what they do with him next. Um, but SmackDown has been writing what I consider to be a tighter wrestling show where issues get brought up and solved in the same episode, and I really enjoy... Um, for the most part, what they've been doing with Talking Smack, because it seems like a real, real uh, work shoot zone. It's really kind of off the off the grid in terms of, you know, you can tell it's away from uh, micromanaging Vince's voice. Yeah, Raw's that show to me where they, they almost have a, a stigma. To, it, to a certain extent, SmackDown feels like a blank slate to me. Hmm. Like, they're like, okay, we've hmm. got... Yep. What feels like a smaller roster, which it is because it was like three to two in terms of draft picks. We're going to do everything we can to make this a compelling program week in, week out. Whereas Raw is like, you, you know, w- when the brand split first happened after that first week, I think I likened it to to being a child of divorce. Where that first week they were like, you like Christmas, right? We're both going to have Christmas at our houses and then you have to choose. We're going to each give you the biggest presents possible. Now Raw feels like the parent... That's like, uh, I know you like Frisbee, so I got you another Frisbee. <laughs> well, I, I, But I want to play Frisbee with you. No, no, I got you Frisbee. You can go. Uh, there's a new kid that moved in next door. Whereas SmackDown is the parent that's like, you know what? I've never had the challenge of having you as a viewer by myself. So I'm going to do everything I can to make it an enriching experience for you. And the, sh- the shuffling of talent that's happened on SmackDown as a result to me feels more organic as opposed to the Raws, like, we put the title on Finn Balor. Are you happy now? Or uh, yeah, he got injured, so we put it on Kevin Owens. Now are you happy? Are you happy yet, Internet? Have we earned your love? Hmm. So there's a there's not a desperation to Raw, but it just feels more like, well, we're Raw. You should watch us because we're Raw. What, what do you think, Danielle? I think they both kind of feel like Weekend Dad to me, just because, like, they keep trying, <laughs> you know, because there is that thing where there's way more fan service on Raw. Because Raw is definitely, like, I got Sash the first day. Um, again, rest in peace. I hope you're doing well. Um, I got Sash the first day. <laughs> then we got Finn. And, that like, the, the these big, huge moments are happening on Raw. And Raw is definitely setting itself up to be, like, you can't miss this show. Because if you miss it, you're going to miss these huge moments. Um and it's almost like the difference between something that's more like plot driven and character driven. Here's where I pretend like I know about movies. So like <laughs> Raw does feel like it's more plot driven, like these huge, big, big moments happen. And that's why you can't miss it. It's like a Michael Bay thing. Right. And then on SmackDown, they're doing a lot of work to create characters mm. um, where you have Renee going into people's houses, which I hated that entire segment for so <laughs> many reasons. Uh, I don't, very attitude oh, era. Oh, oh, the fat girl burped. Yeah, tight. <laughs> good work <laughs> great great work team you guys I'm super- are really breaking ground <laughs> yeah it's just, just just some new shit <laughs> just doing some shit no one's ever seen before you know and 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 you and then you do have talking smack which is i think that talking smack is like it has the potential of being kind of a game changer if only be- and you know me i hated that set and i hated when they would continue to go back to that set so i right. don't like that set during the show Show, but I'm cool with it on Talking Smack if only because like the more cool things happen, the more um, I will associate that garbage town table with <laughs> cool things We're happening. At garbage town table. <laughs> garbage town so table. <laughs> Located off of I-5. I just, I hate that, you know, and poor Renee, they just stick at her all over. She is Carmen Sandiegoing all over. <laughs> 
over, yeah. all over SmackDown. She is everywhere. <laughs> that poor, poor lady. Um, but so yeah, I'd say that's the difference to me is that like um, Raw is definitely more big moments, and uh, SmackDown is definitely more USA characters welcome. And that's, like, the difference between the two shows. Aside from, you know, you even have, like, the Matt Facts, where it, like, tells you things about, like, the different um, the different wrestlers and all that stuff. So, right. um, but, but it is, you know, that's what you have to do on SmackDown when you don't have as many of these big recognizable names. You have John Cena, but John's going to be on vacation for like half the year. Yeah, man. If SmackDown is weekend dad, John Cena's like your birthday dad. <laughs> no. His birthday Christmas it's like dad. Mil- it's military dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> military Jason. Yeah, right? military, military Jason dad. <laughs> so, Danielle, then, uh, what do you think are the unique weaknesses that each of the show has? If you had to pick one major weakness that each show has that you would, you would plug up that hole, what would it be? We'll, we'll go around the horn Around the horn. Sorry, I really hate that uh, voice thing. Um, so it's <laughs> with Raw. Um, it just in, in saying and talking about what I was doing before, I think that they can do, and they they did a little bit with Finn, and they've done it. Um, I do think that they can. They they it would always serve them more to do more of that character developy stuff. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be like those worked shoot promos, but I do feel like y'all got three hours. You can definitely use it to help us get to know some of these characters a little bit more. Um, and on SmackDown, I don't know. That's really hard. Other, um, you know, other than um, telling Otunga to stop talking about uh, Last Dragon. <laughs> I actually lived for that. Like, I can't lie. That was actually dope. <laughs> That's one of my favorite movies. I did actually live for that. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't, uh, they can stop yelling. That would help. <laughs> if all of you could just uh, use your inside voices because you do have a microphone. Uh, I don't know. It's hard. I do think that, that SmackDown is just the stronger show. I don't need, if they can do fewer of those, I guess it's hard because I'm saying build characters, but now I'm saying not like that. <laughs> like, build characters, right. but not in that weird hacky stupid way that they've been doing it but i feel like of of both of them smackdown is like more on the right track um i loved what they did with Cruz, where he was like nah dude here's my name i know i'm (laughs) smiling but i'm gonna do something because that like you i i feel like smackdown learns from its mistakes Mm. quicker like if something happens and there's a mistake or something happens that they don't like, like they immediately address it. Whereas Raw is always, it just feels like Raw, but with bigger moments. Mm. It doesn't feel like right. there's been a whole lot of change. Okay. Mike, what do you think? I would say the biggest issue on SmackDown is the thinness of the roster because mm-hmm. it puts them in situations where, because they really don't have that many stars to go around. Nobody right. can really afford to lose mm. at all. So by the time now we're at a we're at a point where anytime somebody's talking and then Bray comes out, I'm like, oh my god! Like, I just, <laughs> I, like I love Bray, but I just like I just I I just can't. I'm I'm just done with him interjecting himself into things randomly and and nonsense. Hello, you're and, a snake. <laughs> I'm gonna eat you. I want to talk about snakes. <laughs> and, and you know, and I would say that the biggest problem on Raw and SmackDown has the problem as well, but not as much. It's something I touched on earlier. Uh, is that that face heel alignment, man? I really 
I really, when I look at these stories and how they're presenting them, I just have no idea how to feel about things. And I feel like when, you know, I watch a lot of old wrestling now, too. And and aside from just fans not being as smart uh, back then in terms of the business, the other thing that seemed to be happening back then was all the stories were really laid out clear emotionally. Like you mm. knew who you were supposed to cheer and they would do things that you make you cheer for them. And you knew right. who you were supposed to boo and they would do dastardly things. They would tie women to train tracks and they would twist their mustaches <laughs> and, and it was clear. And now you got like you got face heel authority and they do heel face stuff sometimes. And then there's Roman who's positioned biggest face. Yeah. Everybody hates him. If they... If they somehow were able to kind of get those things in order, then I feel like Raw would be a much better show. Right. I agree. I, I th- Those are all good points. I, I actually think they have the same weak spot if I had to pick one, and that is the tag team division. Mm. Um, they, I think the problem on Raw is that it doesn't really feel like there's a division together. I feel like the problem on SmackDown is – that there are no established heel teams, even though they have mm. really talented ones. And that if you look at the tournament right now, they have to turn. You know, it's it is the Usos probably time to turn into a heel team because there are no other heels in that division mm. to to take over in any meaningful way. You know, so, you know what I thought was interesting. Uh, just to interject, uh, yeah, all, it looks like the whole SmackDown tag team division is all NXT teams, and. Like mm. so, Vaude villains, mm. hype bros. Um, I'm missing somebody. So it's the ascension. Weird. Oh, the ascension, exactly. So <laughs> it's, you ain't miss him. <laughs> so it, in in a sense, I, like I was looking, at him, I'm like, man, did 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 like all of the the like the 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 NXT singles champions go to Raw, and then like they just put all the NXT tag people on SmackDown because that is weird. And <laughs> yeah. Leaves some lacking, but you know, yeah, I don't know. Maybe Triple H put all his boys on Raw. I don't know. Well, then, uh, to wrap up this segment, I want uh, very quickly, let's go around. If you could make a trade between the two brands and switch one wrestler from each roster to the other roster, w- who would you pick? Danielle? I would move Bailey on SmackDown. Hmm. Okay. Um, because uh, I've been saying that forever. Like, SmackDown, their women's division needs more. It needs more experience on it. And, I mean, we've got Natalia, and she's got experience, but also who cares? And we've got <laughs> – sorry. I'm sorry, Nat. <laughs> um, and we've got Becky, but <clears throat> Becky is slowly starting to get to who cares territory, mm. and it bums me out. Um, I want someone who can get in there and who can have a good match with anyone and we've seen Bailey do that in NXT um, yeah. I want someone who can get in there and have a good match and pull a good match out of these other women and elevate the whole division plus someone who is I mean there is no superstar of the women's division and you can say that the, you know there's Nikki Bella but Nikki Nikki Bella is a superstar of the Divas division. Mm. She has not been proven as a superstar of the women's division. And so having her get in there and have a good fight with Bailey would elevate her and be like, oh, she's not just, you know, John Cena's girlfriend. She's also this. And she's also, and it shows the work that she's been doing. Um, so that's what I would do. I would move Bailey right on over to SmackDown and I wouldn't get rid of nobody from SmackDown because they need all the people they can get. That's real. All right. Mike? I would just, uh, I would just make sure that Samoa Joe went there. That's all that I could mm. think of. They just need somebody exciting. There's like, 
I think the only genuinely exciting person on the SmackDown roster is AJ, and everybody else mm. is kind of f- trying to figure it out still. Uh, and and Raw has so many exciting people. You know, like Enzo, Kaz, Seth, Finn, Jericho, KO. Like, you know, they have they have all the stars. They have all the people with all the charisma and all the people who have a developed persona and all of that. And I just feel like they need a kickstart of energy. On yeah. SmackDown, and I think okay. Joe, Joe would be good, or or Nakamura, one of the two, or both. Sure. Mm. Okay, I, I'm going to keep it real simple. I would send Kane to Raw <laughs> in exchange for Sami Zayn. Oh, oh nice. All right. Okay. There you go. That how, that'll how, give you some more talent on SmackDown. How how disappointing was it when uh, Kane came out for that squash match on SmackDown? <laughs> oh, it was terrible. <laughs> oh God. Where's oh, he living now? So Nashville. He moved. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> he moved. He moved. He left hell. The rent Some, was going up. <laughs> so somebody help him move into Music City. Meanwhile, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're each gonna have a recommendation for you, something from the world of wrestling that you just shouldn't miss. This is Tights and Fights. Mugs, shirts, stickers, patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with our merch? MaxFunStore.com. Because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours. Ties and Bites Podcast. Ties and Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin. With me in the booth are... Danielle Radford. And... Michael Eagle. To finish off the show, we're going to put over three things from the world of wrestling that we think are awesome. We call it the three count. Danielle, to kick us off, what do you want to put over? Um, I am going to uh, put over... uh, If you saw um, Kevin Owens' wife put a video up of little Owen Owens um, <laughs> watching <laughs> watching um, uh, his reaction to uh, his dad being the universal champion, uh, and it's heartwarming, and so that's what I'm putting over. Here it is. I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm serious. Oh, that's so Are you happy? Of course I am. <laughs> I will lie. Are you going to see the belt tomorrow? Yes. That baby. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, like I can't Aww. even. He's so like his dance, the Universal Champion. And like Kevin put up pictures of him and Owen Owens holding the belt. And it's so cute, and I can't handle it. And it made my uterus pop, 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 pop. So many pops. But I had to be like, calm down. <laughs> we are too old. It is too late. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what about you, Mike? Uh, uh, Can you even top that? No, of course not. What just happened? <laughs> of course not. Nothing of my body will pop. Um, <laughs> but I wanted, you know, I'm, I'm I'm so enamored with this match where Owens won this title. It just will not leave me. And I say, and like I say, I keep watching it over and over again from the moment where Triple H uh, enters. And it was so, it was shot so well too. They were doing this angle having this cameraman at, at this corner post, and I was wondering why they kept doing this angle, but when Roman finally uh, speared 
Rain, no, when Roman speared Rollins and Triple H came in, it was perfect because there was no way you could see him coming. Um, so he comes in and delivers that pedigree to Reigns, which makes the crowd erupt. Uh, and then when he, he rolls Rollins into pin Reigns uh, and he rolls Owens in and you think he's going to, you know, he's going to do something to Owens so that Rollins can cover him. Uh, but right. when he turns and delivers uh, the kick to Rollins to set up the pedigree and the crowd realizes what's about to happen, you get an old school 1980s WWF crowd pop. And I want to put that over. And it sounds like this. That's 20,000 people losing their shit. That's what's supposed to happen <laughs> once a month. At least once a month on Raw, it's supposed to happen. That's fair, yeah. And, and it's been a while. So I was mm-hmm. really, really excited about that. And also, uh, like I said on Twitter, I don't think they told Owens he was going to win because Triple H went and whispered something to him and he was picking him up and rolling him to the ring. Uh, and I think he told him he was going over because I think they didn't tell him before that he was going <laughs> over. Um, and <laughs> you know, that. I think they wanted to get that genuine reaction, and that reaction was awesome. Tear, single yeah. tear, yeah, single man. tear, y'all. They definitely didn't tell his son. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, this is history in the making right here. This is the first time that one wrestler and his family have clean swept the three count. Because I want to put over Owens. Uh, in the opening segment of Raw, oh, where they had the, the little talk show, <laughs> first of all, I, w- I want you to listen to this and hear how layered Kevin Owens' performance is. And then I want you to remember that English is his second language, or maybe his third or fourth. He mm. probably speaks a bunch of languages. It's at least his second. Here's the Thank clip. You so much. First of all, Corey, let me start off by saying how big of a fan I am of your show on the WWE Network, Culture Shock. It's great. I watch it every night. It helps me sleep. Yeah. Also, guys, I I have to say, it's such an honor to just be in the same match with competitors such as yourselves. Look, I don't know what's going to happen tonight, but boy, is it exciting. Kevin, I appreciate it, but I was hoping to get your thoughts on tonight's match. Oh, do you you want my thoughts? You you don't want us to be nice to each other? us to be nice to each other that's why you organized this to look like a, a group therapy session hi my name is kevin and i want to be the universal champion is there anybody better than him on the mic on raw is there jericho maybe yeah oh maybe jericho oh and that's why they're a match made in heaven guys they are oh i love it so much Keep going, KO. Congratulations. As the crowd was chanting on Monday, you, you deserve, deserve it. it. Clap, 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 clap. clap, clap. You deserve it. <laughs> clap, 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 clap. <laughs> that should, does it for should, this week. Oh, we should, go ahead. We should hum his theme song on the way out. All right, you guys hum, and I'll do, the, I'll do the ending part. Go for it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> 
That does it for this week on Tights and Fights. We are a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. Our hosts are Danielle Radford and Mike Eagle, along with me, Hal Lublin. Our producer slash advocate is the best dressed producer in the world, Julian Burrell. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Colin Anderson. Thank you so much to everyone who shared the show on Twitter and to your friends. If you enjoy the show, please continue to do so because it does make a difference. There's plenty of wrestling happening every week, so let's keep the conversation going. You didn't think it was this long, did you? Gotta keep going. And don't stop. Find us on Twitter at Tights Fights and find our Facebook group link on MaximumFun.org. We'll be back next week to talk about even more, you guessed it, wrestling. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.